Chapter 11, Chocolate Cake. Eva couldn't wait to see the shop the next day. And even though it was a Sunday, she was there with the kids by 9.30 a.m. She took them on the pretense of buying some fresh croissants. And as she didn't have keys yet, she could only peer through the windows. Outside was looking much more impressive now that some more work had been done. The scaffolding had been taken away and the pavement swept and cleared of all the building debris. There was a space above the window for the store's name, which was something that she had yet to decide. When they returned home, Eva made hot chocolate to go with the croissants and sipped it while absently browsing the Sunday newspaper and thinking about her week in France. Little did she think she would be returning home after a romantic encounter and she couldn't wait to meet up with Viv so she could relive all the details. Viv, however, had a date, so they managed a phone call instead, with Eva hiding in the utility room and whispering as much as she dared about her escapades with Sebastian without being overheard by the children. The rest of the day at home was spent doing laundry, daydreaming and catching up with the kids. On Monday morning, she brought Hannah and Luke down to the store again. This time they were able to get in for a look around and it was beginning to shape up nicely. Returning home, Eva sipped some coffee and pulled out one of her many lists. This one was for the shop interior and she began to make additions and amendments. Flooring was the next priority, some black slate for the first few yards inside the door and then some wide reclaimed oak boards for the remainder. There was no way that Hannah and Luke would stand for being dragged around suppliers for the day though, so that would have to wait. Light fittings were going to be another big purchase. She would need some advice and probably to look around some of her competitors to see what their setup was like to get some ideas. She was only just back and wanted to be off again, but the kids would have to come first. Instead of dragging them around shops, she promised them a trip to the cinema in the afternoon if they could occupy themselves until lunchtime while she made some phone calls. The shipment from Paris was due within two weeks and storage had to be secured, so she set about requesting quotes over the phone for warehousing companies. The costs for this varied enormously, with security and insurance adding to it. Picking out three of the most competitive and geographically suitable, she made appointments to view them the following day. She telephoned Mary and apologising for the late notice, asked if there was any way she could come around and mind the kids for the following afternoon. Mary was delighted to oblige, as Eva knew she would be. But she also knew she couldn't be calling her every time and would have to come up with alternative arrangements. The following week would be fine as the kids were both enrolled for soccer and activity camps. And the last week in July, they would all be going on holidays in West Cork. But for now, she was at a bit of a loss. After the cinema, as she cooked supper for the children, she got a brainwave to telephone the babysitter, Helen, that she and Alan used to use. At 17, she was carefree for the summer and responded enthusiastically to the prospect of looking after the two kids whenever Eva would need her. Eva asked her to come over for the remaining afternoons of that week, and then she would need her again in August for another two weeks. When she looked at the calendar, 
she realised that with the week in West Cork and the sports camps, she wasn't going to need the babysitter too much and the kids should have a fairly good summer, really. On paper, September seemed to be looming all too closely, even though the summer holidays had only just begun. Chiding herself to stop the negative thinking, she returned to her lists after eating pizza with the kids and began to prioritise her tasks and cross off the ones that had been completed. With the Boston flight book for August, Eva opened her notebook and began yet another product wish list, this time for Boston and Cape Cod. She had arranged 10 nights in all for her trip to America, and now with the experience of the Paris and Perpignan trips behind her, she knew that good planning would be essential. Boston city itself would not be the place to shop, and she planned to head for some of the towns just outside it, and then down the coast to Hyannisport, and maybe even across to Nantucket Island or Martha's Vineyard. After browsing online for what seemed like minutes, but was actually a couple of hours, Hannah interrupted to inform her that she was starving. Be there in five minutes, Eva replied, with just a tiny hint of exasperation. She sent off a short email to Elaine to let her know what she was planning for her Boston visit. As soon as she sit head, sit, send and receive, Eva was just about to shut, shut down her laptop when she noticed a new email arriving in. Clicking to open it up, she could see the sender's name was Sebastian. She held her breath as she opened it, feeling like a love-struck teenager. It was brief and showed his hesitancy to use English. He inquired about her business and children and signed off, Miss you, Sebastian. Hannah's shouts up the stairs jolted her back to reality. She had to log off and didn't have time to reply. How could they possibly be hungry again? Eva asked herself as she made the kids a snack of toasted sandwiches. They were after a load of popcorn and fizzy drinks at the cinema and had pizza for tea and were still starving. Eventually all were satisfied and another day had flown by with what felt like very little achieved. Mary babysat the following afternoon while Eva visited the warehouses and some flooring specialists. With Helen then doing the childminding for the remaining afternoons of that week, Eva was finally able to dedicate herself to the store. The shop layout needed to be thoroughly planned and this involved visiting competitors and researching shop fitters. Accounts for power supply, for lighting, for heating had to be sorted out, as did the whole financial aspect of running the business. There was so much to learn. When she wasn't out visiting the accountant to discuss employment logistics or at the bank figuring out lodgements, how to handle cash, credit card and laser machines, etc., she was to be found with her nose stuck in the latest How to Start a Business handbook. In between the business goings on, she was making packed lunches and picking up the kids from sports camps. Both of her French shipments had arrived safely from France and were held in secure warehouse storage, awaiting a place on a shelf in her store. Eva had got through what felt like a vast amount of work over the recent weeks and felt deserving of her break in West Cork with the kids. She still hadn't made time to reply to Sebastian's email and wasn't sure if she should. It felt a little bit wrong. The three of them set off bright and early on a Saturday morning in the last week of July. From Douglas, they got onto the Link Road and headed west, exiting at the Bishopstown Roundabout, where they took the road towards Bandon. Towns and villages whizzed by until they reached Skipperine, where the roads got busier and more winding as they drove 
towards Balladahab. Rounding the corner on the road into Skull, the breathtaking view of the harbour came into sight with boats bobbing happy, happily on the glistening waves. The town itself was buzzing with holidaymakers and locals trying to stay on the pavement, but inevitably spilled out onto the streets as they encountered al fresco diners and smokers filling the chairs and tables outside the pubs and restaurants. The last stretch of their journey finally ended as they pulled to a stop in the much quieter village of Goleen. The key was to be picked up in the local shop and having done that, they followed directions through the village and located the cottage very easily. Gravel crunched under the jeep wheels as they parked and the kids quickly bailed out to explore. Within minutes, Hannah was squealing delightedly. Mum, mum, come look, quickly. Look at the stream in the bridge. In truth, it wasn't much of a stream, but the owner had cleverly made a feature of it with a small wooden bridge and a gate, adding to the quaintness of the cottage. Inside the cottage was very roomy and every comfort was available, including a welcome basket. After a hasty lunch of bread rolls and cheese, they set off again in the jeep to explore the beaches. The first one they came across, White Strand, was also known as Cockleshell Beach, which was just that. It looked beautiful, but it was so bestrewn with seashells that it was hardly pleasant to walk on, not to mind run about on. They drove onwards, passing the caravan park on their right and the pitch and putt course on the left. The next beach they came to, Lakanakia Bay Beach, or Stony Beach, looked gorgeous. The pathway from the road down to the beach was picked out through smooth boulders which lined the whole length of the beach. The sun was bouncing off the water and the beach was thronged. Again, they decided to drive on until after turning yet another bend on the road, they could see below them the vastness that was golden Barley Cove Beach. It was canopied by sand dunes with coarse grass behind it and a hotel with pretty holiday chalets overlooking it on the far side. On the near side lay a meandering tidal river that could be crossed by means of a floating pontoon bridge with access to the car park picked out by a long boardwalk. It was breathtaking. The tide was out and had left an assortment of pools ideal for the toddlers and little children that were splashing about in the shallow water being warmed by the afternoon sun. They drove on until they parked in the car park and then carried their beach bags along the boardwalk. Walking barefoot on the wind sanded boards with the soft dust from the beach coating your toes was the next best thing to a pedicure. Rough skin made smooth, polished by the sand and then the lap of the water at the edge of the ocean back and forth, beckoning a gentle foot spa. On the beach, Luke soon announced that he had found the perfect spot. Throwing down their bags, Hannah and Luke togged off as quickly as they could and shrieked as they fled down to the water. Eva took her time laying out the towels and then stripped down to her white halterneck bikini and sauntered down to join the kids at the water's edge. This is the life, she said to herself as she returned to her towel and lay back, briefly closing her eyes and feeling the heat of the sun on her face. Opening her eyes again and propping herself up on her elbows, she kept an eye on Hannah and Luke as they played, splashing in the sea. Being on holidays alone with them for the first time was a strange experience. There was no one to share the responsibility of looking after them, and no one to share the task of applying sunscreen or helping to dry the sand from between the toes.
On Sunday morning, they took a trip into Skull and followed the signs for the country market. It was a food lover's paradise. Selections of salamis made from pork and venison, assorted pâtés, salsas, olives, smoked almonds, and the variety of local cheeses. Pickled onions, sun-blushed tomatoes, smoked peppers and garlic oil, and loaves of fresh crusty bread ready for ripping open. Leaving with a basket full of assorted tubs and wax paper wrapped parcels, they were well stocked for at least a couple of days picnics at the beach. Every day they headed to the beach with the sun in their faces as they drove along the coast road. The sea accompanied them on their left with what resembled thousands of glistening diamonds bouncing on frothy waves shimmering under a baby blue sky. Crookhaven village beckoned from across the water as sailing boats bobbed up and down and various colourful yachts and larger boats decorated the inlet. The days were spent on the beach with the kids in and out of the water and exploring the rocks. Eva was trepidatious about taking a dip beyond her knee deep, but when she finally did, she emerged with a euphoric glow. On the hot, still days, she floated in the mineral-rich waters. And on the fresher days, she rock climbed and hunted for treasures hidden in the rock pools of the kids. Among the scattered jewels strewn on the beach, they discovered mother of pearl sea combs or razor clamshells, seahorses, starfish and scallop shells. After the beach, there was no better way to finish the day than to stop off in Crookhaven to sit outside O'Sullivan's pub. With cold drinks enjoyed either on the benches or on the pier walls with legs dangling over the edge. Back at the cottage, they relaxed in the evening and Eva cooked easy meals like barbecued steak or burgers with salad and crusty bread eaten outside and it was heavenly. Sometimes they would walk into the village to the playground or down to the village pier. The week passed blissfully and like all good things, their stay in Goline was over much too quickly. On the last day, they picked up packed up and reluctantly handed the keys back into the shop by noon. After one last visit to the beach, they stopped off in Crookhaven for their last holiday lunch, where Eva ordered an open crab sandwich, which fortified her for her return journey home. Although sad that their break had ended, it felt good to turn the key in her own front door once again. Flicking on the kettle was habitually the first thing she did when she entered the kitchen. It was almost six o'clock and the kids were hungry again. So after shoving a pizza in the oven, Eva unpacked the Jeep. Emptying their bags, she tipped everything out onto the floor of the utility room for washing and then swept up all the sand. Hannah and Luke had run straight onto the green to reunite with their pals who were busily playing soccer. Eva gave Alan a quick call to let him know that they were back. He seemed to take more interest in the children now than ever and asked a lot of questions. She also called Viv and arranged to meet for lunch on the following Monday. They hadn't met up since Eva's trip to France and they both had lots of news for each other that they wanted to share in person. After bundling a load of towels and swimming togs into the washing machine, Eva called Hannah and Luke in for their tea. Feeling a bit tired now after her driving, she wanted to have a bath and get an early night. Two hours later, she was enjoying her soak. Nothing like your own bathroom with all the equipments, accoutrements, she thought, as she lay back and raised her right leg to shave it. 
Topping up the baffle water, she sank into the bubbles and closed her eyes, enjoying the scent of a lavender candle she'd brought back from France. Eva still hadn't replied to Sebastian's email and wanted to discuss it with Eva before she did. Thinking of Sebastian, his husky voice made her tummy flutter. Eva slept soundly after her bath and woke up early on Sunday morning. Alan arrived to take the kids for the day and Eva spent much of it browsing online. There was so much information out there, it was just amazing. She decided to try out shopping online for her groceries. Signing up was straightforward and while it took her the most part of an hour to do her first shop, she was tr thrilled when after selecting her time, she got confirmation that her shopping would be delivered the next afternoon between four to six. How cool was that? This was going to save her at least an hour between locating a parking spot, manoeuvring a trolley, loading and unloading it would save all the hassle as well. After lunch, she began to plan her trip to Cape Cod. She Googled for craft shops and pottery makers. And by the end of the day, had a route planned from Boston to Cape Cod, culminated in a trip to Nantucket Island. She sent an email to Elaine with the details of the route to see what she thought, and then turned her attention to a list of things to do the following day. Feeling satisfied with her work by the time the kids arrived home, they were all ready for another early night. Helen, the babysitter, arrived bright and early at 8.30 a.m. on Monday morning and was going to do likewise every day for the following two weeks. Eva was relishing the flexibility that this gave her. She worked in the office until noon and then went to meet Viv for lunch in the village. Viv was radiant and wearing a Reformation floral camisole top and matching skirt that enhanced her curves. It's the bra, Viv confided. Great support. Well, you look gorgeous. So tell us, girl, what have you been up to for the past few weeks? Eva inquired. Well, she replied coyly. What? Oh, it's a man, isn't it? I know you, Viv. Come on, tell me. Eva implored. Well, yes, there is someone. But to be honest, I don't know what to make of Miva. Go on, you vixen spill. I want to know all the details. Well, I don't really know him that well yet, but he seems really nice, actually. And still very much in the standoff stage yet. What do you mean standoff stage? Do you like him? Definitely, but I'm playing a cool. Viv, for heaven's sake, if you like the guy, why are you playing a cool? Well, you know, I don't want to seem too eager. You text on Saturday and asked me out for Saturday night, but I said I was busy. And you weren't, I suppose? No, definitely not busy. I was sorry as soon as I sent the text. But sure, what could I do then? It was too late. It was a bit late notice anyway, though, don't you think? If the guy wanted to go out with you. I know, I know. And now I don't know whether to call him or what. I mean, I thought he'd call again on Sunday, but no word yet. Seriously. You think he's going to call you again? Why would he? Sure you're after blowing him off. Do you think he's going to come crawling for another slap in the face? Do you think? Maybe, yeah. I'll text him. I will. Anyway, what was your week on the, like on the Irish Med? Fabulous. It was exactly what I needed, Viv. Time spent with the children, no rushing around, and lots of late morning lions. I didn't get a chance to tell you before I went away, but guess what? She paused, and lowering her voice to a whisper, she said, I have heard from Sebastian. Oh, you mean the Roi d'Amour, Sebastian? Vive exaggerated in her best effort at imitating a husky French accent. 
he emailed me a couple of weeks ago and said that he missed me. Actually, that's making too much of it. Well, did he say he missed you? He signed it, missing you. Same thing. Is it? Of course. And what did you say? Nothing. What? Nothing. Ah, stop, Eva. You think I'm bad? The poor fella's probably logged on day and night waiting to hear from you. Yeah, right. Dream on. I just don't know if I should reply or if I do what to say. We're as bad as each other. Eva, you need to email him straight away and say that you've been away for a few days and that you miss him too. I can't say that, Viv. You can. You say, dear Sebastian, great to hear from you. Things are going well. Very busy. Miss you. X, Eva. I can't. You can. You tell me that I have to be straight. But what about yourself? It's too forward. What do you mean forward? Well, then he'd know that I like him. Eva, you're worse than me. Viv laughed. Well, listen to me. If you're even in the slightest bit interested, throw him some bit of a line so that he knows that you haven't fallen off the face of the earth or into a hole or something. I know. I will, yes, I will. After catching up and some more news, they went their separate ways and Eva popped over to visit the shop. Wow, she thought to herself as she admired the outside. It was beginning to look really like something now. And the thought that was hers that it was hers, made her swallow hard with a mixed feeling of fear and excitement. There was so much still to do to get the place ready. Returning home, it was time to let Helen off. 8.30 to 3 o'clock was enough child mining for any teenager. Eva could see that she was great with them, and it was obvious that they liked her too, particularly Hannah. An unexpected ring of the doorbell signalled the first delivery of her internet purchased groceries. The delivery man was friendly and courteous as he brought in crates of shopping to be unloaded and Luke and Hannah eagerly assisted. No doubt in search of any goodies may have been bought. This is the way to do it, all right, Eva thought to herself. No more struggling with wonky wheel shoppy trolleys. With the cupboards well stocked, Eva prepared a quick meal of pasta with grated parmesan, crispy bacon and pesto. Later on, she sat flicking through the pages of her business plan. All the figures were there including those for staff and all the various overheads, like heating and lighting, etc. Costs for shop fittings were there as well. But now she needed to get more practical. How long in advance should she start recruiting staff? Let's say that she did take occupancy of the store in September as scheduled. When would she need to have staff? The fittings would need to go in first. So that was the most pressing issue. Designing the store layout. Now that called for experts but Eva wanted to have a lot of personal input too. What would be the point in paying a professional to design something that she would probably end up changing anyway? She decided the thing to do was to figure out exactly what she wanted herself first. And the best way to do that was to visit more stores and take notes and start sketching herself. So every day of the first two weeks of August was spent visiting a store or two in the morning and then having lunch in a quiet cafe and writing down her immediate impressions of them. What colours were used? Did she like them? What kind of lighting was used? How many checkout tills were there? Where were the checkouts situated? Was shelving high or low or both, modern or classical? Did the staff have a uniform? How many staff members were there and were they busy? At the end of the two weeks, her head was frazzled but she had come up with a final sketch of exactly what she wanted from the shop fitters. 
The next stage would be to get a quote from a number of them with the stipulation that whoever she would appoint would be available to start on the 1st of September. Knowing that this was very short notice, she tried to quell rising feelings of panic. Design issues had been her obsession over the previous couple of weeks, but it had been an essential part of the process. If the store layout wasn't inviting or appealing, then it wouldn't matter what was on display if shoppers weren't enticed in. Eva had another mini panic attack when the first bank statement for the business account arrived, and it took a sensible talking to from Vivian to remind her that yes, this was what she should be expecting, and that she had it all factored into her business plan, which had been approved. Although reassured, she couldn't help feeling that taking off to Boston in a couple of days to do another hefty bit of debt digging did seem a little reckless. Two weeks had passed since her last lunch out with Vivian, and while they called and messaged each other frequently, it wasn't the same as getting together for a good old natter. Being so preoccupied with the progress of the business, Eva felt like she was neglecting her friendship. And though Eva, Viv, reassured her when Eva had to cancel yet another lunch, she got the feeling there was something that Viv wanted to talk to her about. With the trip to the States being even longer than the trip to France, Eva was going through the same pre-departure guilt phase over leaving the kids. As much as she liked the buzz of the airport and traveling to another country, it wasn't the same traveling alone. On her last day at home with the kids, Eva involved Hannah in a bit of a baking spree. They threw together a batch of sausage rolls, two quiches and two apple pies to take to their grandmother's house. Eva knew full well that Mary would be well stocked up in anticipation of her grandchildren's arrival, but she wanted to send some food with them all the same. As well as the baking to take to their grand's house, they also baked a chocolate cake to have for their tea. Hannah happily licked the spoon clean of any remaining icing and later helped Eva packing for the children's holiday on the farm. She remembered to pack her wellies, her favourite cuddly rabbit and a book. Luke insisted on packing his PlayStation and a handful of games. The kids stayed up late and snacked on huge slices of the chocolate cake with a glass of milk before, before brushing off the crumbs and going to bed. Hannah was tearful going to sleep that night and Eva loathed leaving them in the morning. She stayed up late packing for herself and then turned on her laptop to print off her planned itinerary for the trip. The last thing she did before shutting down her laptop was to finally write a carefully worded email to Sebastian. It read, Sebastian, I received your email a few weeks ago and I must apologize for not replying sooner. Things have been very busy here working on my business plan and with the children's holidays. I'm off to Boston for 10 days to look into some more stock ideas for my store. Hope you're keeping well. We'll be in touch. Abianto, Eva. And with the click of the mouse, it was gone. She must have read it back to herself 10 times. Did it say the right thing? Was it too formal? Abiento seemed to be the right thing to say. She hadn't looked it up or checked the spelling, but if memory served her, she felt that it should mean soon or until later or something that could be interpreted as being interested. Well, it was gone now, so what more could she do?